On today's show, Donovan Mitchell was traded the Cleveland Cavaliers. What other teams and players are most affected by this trade in the NBA? We'll talk about that, break it all down, and of course, our favorite every single week, count it up. where we count out the most interesting, fun things in the NBA, it's Locked on NBA. Let's go! You are Locked on NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, you are locked on to the NBA. My name is Nick Engstead, host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast. Thanks for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, where the best way you can help us grow the show, grow the channel, is to comment anything below. Let us know what what, uh, your favorite team is. Like, let us know which team you're coming from. If you're coming from Locked On Mavs, coming from Locked On Bulls. And also let us know which teams or players do you think are most affected by the Donovan Mitchell trade. Joining me to talk about it, as always, on a Thursday, host of Lockdown Bulls. What you got for me, Pat, the designer? I don't really care where Donovan Mitchell is. The Bulls will beat the Cavaliers. In a, in a, <laughs> like in a single game? In a playoff series? Send them my way. I gotta go check on these bet online odds. They have Send them my way. We have oh, yeah, we're, hey, listen, we're at the bottom no matter what. Every Lonzo ball news that breaks is just like we're going Ooh, further down. That's a rough one. That's a rough one. <laughs> we will talk about Donovan Mitchell trade ripple effects. He got traded to the Cavs. And now all, all of a sudden, there's a bunch of teams around him that are affected and players that are affected by this move. So we'll talk about a bunch of those today. And then we'll play our our favorite game we play every single week. Count it up. Where we count out the most interesting, fun things in the NBA. Got a bunch of Eurobasket stuff. Got some Patrick Beverly. Pa- Patrick Beverly has some quotes. He is doing the most right now with the Lakers. I didn't know that you could have post-pre-optional post, post, post pre optional training workout media sessions. Like, what is he What is he having right now? He had, like, a scrum the other day where he was, I was like, what? They're not doing training camp yet. Why is there a media scrum around Patrick Beverly at the Lakers facility? Bro, anytime Patrick Beverly shakes Russell Westbrook's hand, it's news. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm I'm kind of with it, though. Um, but, yeah, let's get into this first. So, Donovan Mitchell gets traded. He goes to the Cleveland Cavaliers, and now all of a sudden he is with this group of young players. He's in a completely different situation now. J.B. Bickerstaff, the coach, Darius Garland. Jared Allen, Evan Mobley. You got all those players, all like all-star level players now. And he's in a completely different situation. And now you see these ripple effects start to affect some of these other teams and players in the NBA. Pat, what's the first team or player that you thought of when you thought about this Donovan Mitchell trade that said, okay, that team is really affected by this now? Listen, I got to give kudos to the man Danny Ainge. First team I thought about was the Utah Jazz because when you see – I, I mean, initially, right, you literally caught, get a trade where you're not talking about a rebuild anymore. You're back to talking about a retool along with having massive draft picks. But you've got players that are going to be able to get on the court and play right away and contribute to your team. And on top of that, I think that the most important thing out of this is how he finessed this trade, right? We we get the news that he turns down a deal in January, or I'm sorry, in July, in January, that'd be crazy, in July <laughs> from, the, uh, from the New York Knicks that would have included Mitchell Robinson. When you think about that, Mm. right, if he accepts that trade, Rudy Gobert is still on the team at that point. If he accepts that trade, you're getting less value in the return for Rudy Gobert because now every team knows, well, they're clearly moving off of Rudy Gobert, so why would I give you the same amount of value? I have to commend the Utah Jazz and Danny Ainge for pulling off two massive deals, but especially this one for Donovan Mitchell, because I I don't think you really had 
a massive setback in your process moving forward. Yeah, that team is affected a lot, obviously. That team got way worse. Like I was yeah. looking at some of the numbers recently. We started this network with Locked On Jazz. It's the first show in all of Locked On <laughs> in 2016. They were like a 500 team at that point. They've been yeah. basically a 50-win team since then. Since yeah. that, so like there's not been a Locked On Jazz with a team that's going to be this bad. That's how long it's been since the Utah Jazz have been that bad. Like they've passed over from like the Stockton era to then like the Darren Williams era to then like the Gordon Hayward era to then this Donovan Mitchell era. I don't know if they've had eras that have been this deep in the cellar as often, but now they have all these assets to start working with and they are starting in a really good spot, right? Like they're not going to be set back 10 years. Like you said, they're, they're going to be back pretty soon. Now it might be three or four years before they're back to the yeah. playoffs, but they have the assets to be able to start making some moves to, to get there. Do they drop below? And, and I think there's a great question for the comments in, in the, on the YouTube side, do they drop below OKC? I feel like with the host of players they brought in, I was really high on Walker Kessler coming into the draft. I thought he was a great get to get back. Um, you've got Larry Marketing over there. You've got Colin Sexton over there, right? Guys that they can make plays, right? They're not going to win 50 games again. But do they drop below teams like OKC all of a sudden? Do they drop to the bottom of the Western Conference? I don't know if yes. I feel that way after. <laughs> you you feel like they do? Yeah, you just start looking through their team and like, I don't know, it's Colin Sexton, Larry Marketing, who are, I guess, starters on that Cavs team, even though Colin Sexton didn't really play a lot last year. Yeah. And then they still do have to to trade Conley, Bogdanovich, Clarkson. Like they're still going to trade yep. those guys. Uh, but yeah, we, we talked about the Jazz a couple times on this show. That the player that I thought of first was a Cavs player, Isaac Okoro. I think he's affected a lot by this Donovan Mitchell <laughs> trade because there's a spotlight on him now, and for multiple reasons. Isaac Okoro, the NBA world is going to be have eyes on him, and he's going to have a yeah. much bigger spotlight than he had before. And some pressure will be taken off him for sure. Like, if he doesn't perform, if he doesn't score, like, they don't need him to score a lot at all. But they need his three ball to go down. They need him to be a threat. They need him to be a really good defensive player. And so they bring in Donovan Mitchell. Now it's Garland and Mitchell or Garland and Mitchell in the backcourt. Isaac Okoro is your wing. He's your guy. Yeah. And they drafted uh, Oche Ogbaji, who went to the, the Jazz in the trade, to kind of take the pressure off of of Okoro to kind of soften the blow for Cleveland in case Okoro wasn't as good of a wing or as good of a player as they thought he was going to be. Yeah. And now you don't have that option anymore. It's just Isaac Okoro. And then after that, it's like Lamar Stevens is your backup three. Like there's yeah. not a lot of options as wings on there for a really wing heavy league. The Cavs have completely zigged and zagged the other way where they are literally just two small guards, six, one guards and two seven foot centers. And uh, so now Okoro, I think there's going to be a spotlight on him where there wasn't going to be necessarily uh, before because of the, the Agbaji draft and all that. No, 110%, right? Like, I, I looked at that and I said, uh, the, the first picture for Isaac Okoro that popped up in my brain was Jimmy Butler in the finals in the bubble where he's, like, leaned over because he's doing all the defense for the front line, has to guard <laughs> his own man, and basically hopes, if I can't get to him, I hope there's a blocked shot at the rim. So Donovan Mitchell's basically going in there to play the same game that he's been playing for the last <laughs> six years, five, five years of his career. You know what I mean? Um, I'll tell you what. we, were, we I, I don't know if we're doing winners and losers on this, but the one player that I really thought of as a winner in this whole thing is Jalen Brunson. Like I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if 100%. I believe Jalen Brunson is the answer in New York. I think he's a really good player, but I just think they haven't figured anything else out that's happened there. So it's the Knicks. But at the end of this, right, like 
all the concerns that I had about what Donovan Mitchell being added to Jalen Brunson were going to be now shift over to Darius Garland and Jalen Brunson gets to 110% run that team. He gets to be the point guard of that team. He gets to be the face of the New York Knicks. And that's what he was coming in there to do, man. He wanted to be the number one on a team. And then all of a sudden the Donovan Mitchell uh, uh, rumors start flying around. And now it's like, is he going to be the number one on this team? So I feel like Jalen Brunson getting to be the face of that team, getting to be the face of the New York Knicks, getting to be the star on that team and having a guy like RJ Barrett, at least near you with a really good defense, solid offensive game ish. Um, and being able to help you there, I think Jalen Brunson's a real winner in all of this. That's a good one. That's a good one. Because then if, if Donovan Mitchell got added, there'd be a whole bunch of pressure with, with him, right? Yeah. And trying to figure out this new role. He's like basically back in the same situation where there's a, a high usage star player next to him. Yep. And then he's playing that point guard role again. But throw RJ Barrett in there too. He was almost sent to the Jazz to Utah. He was almost <laughs> he was almost going to be the start of a new rebuild for them. That's a winner. That's <laughs> so, a winner. My, hey, hey, we're not l- trading. Listen, you. let's pay him. Listen, <laughs> RJ Barrett almost went from living in New York City, capital yeah. of like the world, to yeah. to Salt Lake City. Right? Yeah. Like, is there is there a bigger downgrade if you're a city person? Like I know there's there's better like. Na- there's better nature out there in Utah, not, right? Like, not really. You know what I'm saying? You get outside of New York City, and then there's New York State. So there's quite a bit of nature. Well, you're going, you're well. going to the Catskills? Like, where are you going? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know if uh, that, that's, that's just, a downgrade altogether. That just would have been a downgrade for him. And so now he gets to he gets to actually have a point guard. That was one of the big things Knicks fans kept saying all year. And our Lockdown Knicks guys were saying, like, if they had a real point guard, if we brought in a real point guard and saw – what this team could be. And Jalen Brunson can be that guy. He can be yeah. that real point guard to kind of right the ship to, he's definitely going to bail him out in certain possessions. He's going to bring him back in certain moments. He can go on little runs on his own. Like I think that's going to help RJ Barrett a lot. And if you brought in Donovan Mitchell, yeah, the team would be better and all that, but I don't think it helps push those two guys forward. Like you said, uh, RJ Barrett and Brunson in a way, if they didn't have them uh, coming up, I got some teams. I got some teams that are really affected by this, and I think some of them in a negative way. And uh, you may cover one of those teams. So we'll talk about those teams oh, affected Lord, most Lord. by the Donovan Mitchell trade coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about Built Bar. It's a protein bar. Tastes like a candy bar. It's absolutely delicious. They're so good. I ordered a new box today. I ordered brownie batter puffs. They're, they're, they're the best. It's like the best protein bar I've ever had. And the Built Bar brownie batter puffs are the best flavor I've had of Built Bar. 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, 7 grams of sugar in a bar with marshmallow fluff in the middle, brownie batter flavor in between the chocolate and the marshmallow. It's absolutely delicious. I'd eat them as a candy bar. I'd eat them as a snack. Uh, If you wake up in the morning, need something quick, you can grab it. You have the puffs that are marshmallow flavored and marshmallow fluff in the middle. You have the regular bars, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, um, raspberry, cherry barcia, cookies and cream. Great stuff. Use the promo code locked on 15. That's locked on the number one, the number five. So locked on 15 to get 15% off your entire order. It's built.com. All right, Pat, we're continuing to talk about the players and teams most affected by the Donovan Mitchell trade that happened last week. And I think there's some teams. I think some teams all of a sudden now, and I'm going to add the DeJounte Murray trade to this too, because now you have two all-star type players. They got sent from the West to the East. And Cleveland now has one and Atlanta now has one. So those teams both get better. Those are like playoff level teams that now are, are taking another step forward. I think it's harder for the Chicago Bulls to make the playoffs now. 
And I know that these are your guys, but hear me out. You have the Lonzo Ball injury. Everyone's, you know, that seems like what everybody's talking about. What you, you and Hayes are talking about over on Lockdown Bulls. The yep. Lonzo Ball injury hurts a lot. But now all of a sudden, the schedule for the Bulls is so hard. Thinking about, okay, we have to play every team twice. Okay, everybody has to do that. But you now have to play Cleveland and Atlanta four times each. And these two teams just got a lot better, adding these two all-star level players. The Bulls have 30 games against the top teams in the East. So four against Boston, four against Milwaukee, four against Philly, four against Cleveland, four against Atlanta, four against uh, the Brooklyn Nets, three against Miami, three against Toronto. 30 games against those teams. If you add the two games they have to play against all the top teams in the West, you're talking about 46 of their 82 games are against like these all like these playoff level teams that are really really good. Uh, I think they have one of the hardest schedules. Any anybody that is in that same boat where they have to play these teams multi, like four or five, you know, four times each. Yeah, uh, it's just a really hard boat to all of a sudden be in. And so I think for the Bulls, I think it, this this trade, these two trades, just make it harder for them to make the playoffs. I, I think it makes the East tougher, right? But here's yeah. the thing. The East was very tough last season, and the Bulls were one of the best teams in the East until injury ravaged them. I think that's the one part that a lot of people overlook with this Bulls team. And the Lonzo Ball injury is massive. I'm not I'm not even going to act like it's not. But the thing that, you, that softens the blow of the Lonzo Ball injury is two things, right? One, I don't care what Lonzo Ball does at the beginning of the season because, as Bulls fans can attest to, the beginning of the season last season was phenomenal. The end of the season, not so much. I care more so if he's there at the end of the season. But the other thing that really softens the blow in this situation is Io DeSumo being able to step into that starting role, which he filled a lot last season. And Ayo DeSumo was one of the best defenders in the NBA last season. Ayo DeSumo made Trey Young's life. <laughs> Hell. Ayo <laughs> DeSumo made Darius Garland's life really, really <laughs> difficult. Like a lot of those big name point guards that you look at kind of and say, oh, this guy's really going to cook the Bulls. These guys are going to go out. Ayo DeSumo was able to handle those guys very well. He's one of, He was literally one of the best on-ball defenders in the NBA, and that makes me feel a little bit better on the defensive end for the Bulls. I'm not saying that it's not going to be hard for teams to make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, but I think there's two things that people to me, right, like with it Atlanta and with Cleveland, I have the same concerns. You're putting a lot of pressure on your small forward and your bigs to be the best players on the team defensively. And unless you're going to outscore every team every night. Now, Cleveland, I feel a little bit more comfortable with doing that, right? Because the bigs were the star factor. Mobley's a star. Jared Allen's a defensive anchor. I feel like that means a lot. But when I look at that uh, that Atlanta team, I'm like, DeJounte Murray's a heck of a defender, but he's still 6'1". And Trey Young's not a defender at all. <laughs> yeah. The the most surprising news of the weekend for me was that, or the week for me was that uh, Donovan Mitchell is a six ten wingspan and he just doesn't use it at all. Basically, John Emery six four. But remember, we we figured this out a couple weeks ago. Where we were, I thought he was like six 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 seven, and he's not. He's six four. Murray six four. Yeah, I, I tweaked on that one. Yes, yes. Uh, but Trey, yeah, Trey Young. Trey Young. They listed above six foot. <laughs> mm, I'm not buying it. He gets the JJ Barea treatment. Yeah, on the on the height sure. thing a little bit. For sure, it just makes it harder for. Them because it's two teams that were below them in the standings that now all of a sudden took a step up, and it just makes it harder for them. I don't think it makes it impossible for them. They're they're right in that mix for sure. Um, I have to give Hayes, my co-host on Locked On Bulls, credit. He said a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference got better, but they didn't get better than a hundred percent healthy Bulls team. Okay, they were number one in the East at one point last year. <laughs> for most of last year, I think I think it's like it's like. 
when you look at it, it's like we were good. We were at the top for a long time, and it took like COVID and injuries to take us out. I think it was like it, the, you, they were number one in the East right up until the time that you guys were hired for Lockdown Bulls, right? Isn't that? Isn't that, <laughs> is that what we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> That's the route we going? Okay, yeah, that way. Listen, damn, who uh, made who made that de- who made that decision? Oh, <laughs> I jinxed the I jinxed all the Bulls. Is what I did. We all get fired. the other two teams that stood out to me are the Hornets and the Knicks that we mentioned before. Hornets have to play Cleveland, Atlanta right. four times. Knicks have to play Cleveland, Atlanta four times. They were both in precarious playoff situations, like hopeful to make the playoffs. Uh, the Hornets, obviously, without Miles Bridges probably for a while. The Knicks dealing with their own situations. <laughs> they didn't get out of Mitchell. You won't hold that against them. Uh, but even last year, they weren't necessarily, you know, they weren't really in playoff contention for a, a while during the season. And so those teams are big losers, I think, with both of these trades, yes. both the Mitchell and the Murray trades, because making the playoffs for them, like making the play-in for them is going to be really tough. The Hornets, to me, don't make the playoffs at all t- next season. Um, unless there's a, cl- a clear shift and a step forward. I said shift. And a step forward by LaMelo to take an offensive step. I, I don't see them making the playoffs at all because what I watched in that play-in game, what I watched for a good chunk of the season with uh, uh, that Charlotte Hornets team was LaMelo basically saying, I'm going to find open shooters, but please, somebody knock down a shot. Yeah. And not only do they not add anybody that can knock down a shot, but they actually they lost, lost the guy who could knock down a shot. And so I don't see them making the playoffs at all. I actually, I, th- I believe I said this on Locked On Bulls today, um, I have the Knicks with more wins than the Charlotte Hornets this season. I only have the Knicks with 39 wins. Yeah, it's it, it's a tough spot to be in right now because your conference got harder. The team got worse. The Knicks got better the, than the Hornets got worse. The Knicks were six games below the Hornets. Yeah, last season. But if you think about the season yeah. before, the Knicks were good. Um, the Knicks, Knicks may may uh, I, because of how back. far back the Hornets have gone and how far back um, some of the teams that have kind of basically said we're rebuilding have gone. The Knicks might make the play in. I, I could see the Knicks making the play in as a ten and ten or nine seed, maybe. The Nets still kind of loom large as like, hey, Durant's back. For now, now, right? Like if Durant's gone, that team is that team is not in the picture anymore either. So that's something to think about. All right, let's get into it. Let's get into our favorite segment every single week, where we count out the most interesting, fun things in the NBA. We'll talk about EuroBasket. Luca just completely went off. Do I have to play the song? I may have to play the song. Yeah, Um, play the song. Chelsea Gray went off for for, in the WNBA playoffs. Um, Patrick Beverly doing the most over there with the Lakers. Talk about all that coming up. (laughs) All right, Pat, we're continuing on with Lockdown NBA this week. The most fun, interesting things in the NBA. It's count it up, count it up, count it up, count it. Count it up, where we count out some fun, interesting things in the NBA. Let's start with the WNBA. Chelsea Gray for the <laughs> for the Las Vegas Aces. They clinch a run to the finals. They beat Sue Bird and the Seattle Storm. Could be Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart's last game for the Seattle Storm. Uh, Stewie are, was cooking. There are already there are already Brianna Stewart New York Liberty uh, Photoshop jerseys out there. But Chelsea, <laughs> well, the reason why I bring this up on Lockdown NBA is Chelsea Gray is doing something incredible that nobody has done in the WNBA or the NBA at all. She's averaging twenty three point eight points per game in the playoffs on seventy six percent true shooting in the playoffs. That is. 
an astronomical number, like just an incredibly high true shooting percentage, which takes into yeah. account threes and uh, and twos and all that stuff. No professional basketball player, NBA or WNBA, has ever scored that well in any postseason, considering both the points and the uh, the average. Her career average, by the way, so she's averaging twenty three point eight points in these playoffs. Her career average is eleven point nine points a game. And her, she's never averaged more than 15 points per game in a single season. Now, she's made three all-star teams, so she contributes in other ways. She's played on some good teams, Candace Parker yeah. and, and others like that. Like she's, she hasn't been like the primary scorer on like a bad team necessarily. Yeah. And so, but she's now becoming this just sniper all of a sudden. What's the NBA equivalent? Count it up. Give me the NBA equivalent to what's happening with Chelsea Gray right now. Um, I, I you know... I said it might be only what we saw in the bubble because there were so many players that took a step. I mean, you're talking about probably like TJ Warren, Jamal Murray. <laughs> the Jamal like, Murray legit. one is good. The Jamal, the, it's hard because like Chelsea Gray has been an all-star. So you kind of want to yeah. pick a player that's sort of been in that echelon. Like the yeah, TJ yeah, Warren yeah. one is like completely out of nowhere. Mine, when I thought about it on the night, was Drew Holiday. What if Drew Holiday all of a sudden went on a playoff run and he's averaging like 35 points a game? Shooting an incredible percentage. Like that's that's the level I think that Chelsea Gray is hitting. That that we would just be if we saw this on the NBA side, we'd be completely blown away by how good he's been. Because Drew Holiday is a, a fine scorer, yeah, yeah but he's yeah. not like this insane next level lead the league in scoring type guy. And that's what Chelsea Gray is doing in the WNBA. Yeah, I think I think it's a focus thing, right? Like it's it's what you're focusing on. The, the thing with Chelsea Gray that makes it tough is like this isn't just focus. Like with Drew Holiday, right? Like if Drew Holiday went off for 39, 31, 21, we'd be like, oh, Drew Holiday's having a hot scoring run. But I think you would see incrementally different things about his game take a step backwards. Uh, that's not the only thing she's doing, though. 31, 6, and 10, one steal. Uh, 29, 5, and 12, one steal, one block. 19, 7, and 7, one steal, one block. Twenty one. One, one and five. Like she's doing it at every point on the court. Now listen, I still got my sky going back to back, but uh it's it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. Bobby Marks <laughs> tweeted this out recently that I found super interesting. He said, In the past three years, so the past three seasons in the NBA, these players have all been traded. Anthony Davis, Paul George, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Drew Holiday, James Harden, DeMar DeRozan, DeJounte Murray, Nikola Vucevic, Rudy Gobert, and Donovan Mitchell. As a result, Eight teams control 85 first-round draft picks in the next seven years. Um, Count it up. How many is too many for, for one team to for one team to <laughs> control? Because like these teams can't start drafting all these guys. You can't have a team with like three first-round picks and just can and like roster all these guys. It's got to stop somewhere. And eventually, these draft picks as currency are going to start to just be used like as that. Like they're going to be devalued at a certain point. They're going to be yeah. that as they have in the past. And it's just there's going to be these teams either stuck with all these draft picks that they're going to have to make, and they just make a pick, and they end up being a, a draft and stash player, like that we've seen the Celtics do in the past, where they have all these picks, they don't know what to do with them, they have too many players, and yeah. they stash them. Or yeah, like okay, so I guess that's the count it up. Is count it up. How long until these draft picks get devalued again? Because it does come in waves. I, I think they already are. Um, personally, I, I I look at this right, and you see them get moved to these teams, and these teams have all these players right. And if you don't have a player that's going to make another player want to come play with that player in this NBA, that sounded crazy to say, but you know <laughs> what I meant. Um, 
you're in a terrible position. Nobody's going to play in OKC. Nobody's going to play in Utah, right? Like you have to find those players. You have to you have to bring those players in, draft those players, and hope that you find yourself a Damian Lillard or something like that. Because nobody's going to these places when you're not winning. I think that's where the NBA is now. And I think uh, I, I take the Bulls in ex- as an example, right? Like, yeah, they they moved some picks, they made some trades, a couple of names that you mentioned in there. But they realize, right? If you're going to get a big name free agent in here, the name Chicago don't do it no more. It doesn't matter that Jordan played here 30 years ago. It just doesn't matter anymore. So like you have to have talent on the floor that some other player is going to look at and say, I want to go play with that. I think that's where the NBA is now. I don't think these picks have any value. Yeah, they have value to the teams that they go to if those players pan out. But as Paolo Banchero all of a sudden uh, 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 turn the Orlando magic into, I like I said, Banchero. I was going to say, that sounded like a breakfast dish that you order. Like, can I have some eggs? Can I have the, can I get the, can I get the eggs, Paolo Banchero? The eggs, Banchero? Uh, does he all of a sudden turn the magic into a threat in the Eastern conference? Like nobody has them winning that many more games than they were winning last season. So I think we're already there. There's a bunch of free agents left in the NBA. Uh, not all of them are good, but hoops hype certainly thinks that they are good. Hoops hype tweeted out a depth chart of free agents. And here's just the starting lineup. And I think we can just leave it at that. And the joke will still land. Um, Dennis Schroeder, Avery Bradley, Carmelo Anthony, Blake Griffin, and Dwight Howard. So they, they tweeted that out with like a couple of, uh, like a couple of other players that are in the depth chart. Dennis Smith jr. Being one of them and others and said, if this team was the Supersonics right now, and with the graphic and everybody, they they hired they they got a graphic designer to like Photoshop them into Supersonic jerseys. <laughs> they said, could this team make the play-in? Count it up. This t- how many games would this team even win? Schroeder, Brad, Avery Bradley, Carmelo Anthony, Blake Griffin, Dwight Howard. This team goes uh, 0-82, Bob. I, I not, don't even one, t- not even one. I, I, not even I one. Not even one slip team. up. You know what? I'll say this, right? I can't say they'll go 0-82 because this team is better than the OKC Thunder are right now. No. Uh, no, it is not. Is no, I'm nah. pushing back on that completely. Nah. Giddy, I would take Giddy over any of these players right now. Schroeder's not a bad starting point guard. No. Get get out. <laughs> I'll take Giddy over him. And then that's not even mentioning SGA. Like SGA is way better than any of these guys. I just thought that was completely ridiculous. Um, I, I, I'm mad they made it like the Supersonics. So it's like, don't you dare take an iconic <laughs> team in my history and turn them into this. Don't you stand where he stood. <laughs> Luka Doncic scored the most points in a single Eurobasket game in the last 65 years, scoring 47 points in a win against France. Slovenia and Luka Doncic just... Oh, hold on. I gotta. Can I? Can I? Can I just play the song? Gotta play the song. It's incredible. He had an incredible game. It was much needed. They they secured their spot at the top of Group B in Eurobasket. But he scores forty seven points. Giannis scored forty one earlier. The day before this game, Luca was asked, you know, uh, who's gonna score the most in their next in in Eurobasket? And he said, well, it's probably gonna be Giannis because you know it is Giannis. Um, how many points in some of these Eurobasket games before you start to notice? Like, if a player drops 40, are you? is it peaking your interest? Do they have to get to 40, 41? Like, is it 35? And you're like, oh, okay. Because it's sort of hard for if you're an NBA fan to, like, try and, like, all right, evaluate how much is, like, a, an incredible game over there right now. Here's, here's, here's the tough part for me, right? It's like you can tell that there's certain games where there's a clear difference in competition just because I'm like – 
I don't think Goran Dragic scores over 25 points all year, and I think he's done it twice in Euro basketball. So it's like, I kind of expect it. I think the impressive part about Luka's 47 is Luka got his 47 against France with Rudy Gobert on the other side. And that France team is nothing to to, to scoff at in, in the slightest, right? So, like, I, I think that's why Luka's maybe more impressive. But it, it's still, right, like, you, I, I turn it on and I enjoy it because it's basketball. <laughs> For sure. Giannis, that's, that's really all it is. Like, Giannis got his 41 against the Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. Like, can you, I don't know. Can you name a single player that's playing on Ukraine right now? I can't name. Are there any NBA players there, in the Ukraine from the Ukraine? There are two right now. I would bet they're rookies. Svi Mikhailuk and Alex Len are two NBA. Alex players. Alex Len from the Ukraine. I, I didn't, yeah, know, I didn't that. know that. I didn't, okay. know, I didn't know that. Either. Some of these players, like Shane Larkin's playing for, uh, I mean, like Tyler Dorsey's playing for Greece. You know, like Shane Larkin's playing for Turkey. So some guys, like you get, I think you get one like. Uh, outside of your country exception on, on each team. But but yeah, I just found it interesting, all these. Um, but continuing on with Eurobasket, there's a Reddit post that was gaining a lot of steam this week. If Yugoslavia, the former Yugoslavia, didn't break up in 1991, this would be yeah. their current national team. Luka from Slovenia, both Bogdanoviches, Bojan and Bogdan from Serbia and Croatia, Vuc from Montenegro, Jokic from Serbia, and then their bench. Dragic, Mario Hizonia, Chetty Osman, uh, Bielica, Dario Saric, Dragan Bender, Nico, uh, Nikola Miritic, Boban, Nurkic, and then Zubats. Is there, like, they have an incredible big man rotation there. Um, Count it up. Would this team beat the USA in the Olympics? No. With Luka and Jokic? No. Uh, you know what? I... You, Luka, yeah. Luka, Jokic, I, I, and then the I two shooters like, in the Bogdanovich. I Jokic. I feel like I missed Jokic in there. Adding Jokic into that, that, that team might beat the USA because we saw the USA struggle mightily with real big men. Um, and Jokic is the realest of real big men left in the NBA. So, yeah. um, the is- pro- see, the problem with that team is I don't think there's enough defense to stop the United oh, States. Definitely not. It's, there's not enough defense to stop the United States. And I think the United States has enough defense to stop, to slow down that team enough. I can't say they can stop them, but to slow down that team enough. Yeah. Um, I think, I think this team would definitely would beat the U S just based on their, like the depth as well. But then also just the, like the Luca and Jokic aspect of it. Like those are two of it's the a one game thing, man. Like yeah, I can't say like, too. you're going to lose or, or you're going to, you're going to dominate them. But like in one game, Luca and Jokic put together. Like, All right. We got to talk about Patrick Beverly now. Um, oh, here we go. Patrick Beverly does his post post workout, like training media availability and yeah. he's sweating profusely, sweat dripping from his forehead. And all of a sudden, a towel comes out of nowhere, hits him in the face. And it's from Russell Westbrook. And Patrick Beverly goes, first dime of the year. Um, Count it up. How many dimes do you think that Russell Westbrook gives Patrick Beverly during the season? And or how many months does this pa- does this pairing last of Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook? Um, You know what? I, I think I'm more scared of the latter on that. I think if, if if Russ is on this team with Pat Bev, there will be many dimes thrown to Pat Bev because at this point on this team, that's all Russ has left to do. Now, whether Pat Dev, uh, Pat Bev drains those dimes, that's a different story. But the pairing <laughs> lasting is the biggest question mark for me. I just can't see like, them playing as a duo, even if they're on the same team. 
you you normally can't put two of those guys that are quick to spark off <laughs> on the same team and it works well. Yeah, what's the knucklehead rule that everybody says you can only have one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, I just don't see right, like, and especially the difference is, right, like, Pat Bev come. Remember, Pat Bev said he's going to come in and he would tell LeBron, you need to be here. Or he would tell <laughs> Russ and AD, you need to be here. I'm sorry, you're going to tell Russ what? You're going to tell Mr. Triple Double what? His you're going to tell, like. <laughs> his coach has been trying to tell him those things. Yeah, I mean, well, it's Frank Vogel. That's a whole different story. <laughs> it, it, it was. Darvin Ham's got his work cut out for him. All right, last one on Patrick Beverly. Um, Patrick Beverly was asked about playing with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and he said, quote, they're going to be playing with me. I made the playoffs last year. They didn't. It's a difference. Count it up. How far out of pocket is Patrick Beverly for this? I mean, I, I think you sign him for that personality. I think he's right in pocket for being Pat Bev. Again, we go back to we go back to how many guys can you have on the team like this, though? But Ooh. but I mean, listen, he it's it's like staying on the court. And you beat the team in pickup, and they have to get off. I'm still on the court. I don't care if I'm the most trash dude on this team. Not saying Pat Bev was, but like if you're like the worst dude on the team, I'm still on the court, and you're not. So I got room to talk a little bit, man. I got room. Yeah, you might want to get your jewelry up though. <laughs> a lot of jewelry on the other side of that conversation. Patrick Beverly completely out of pocket on this. Like, come on, you're talking to LeBron. He's he is arguably the second best player in NBA history. Like, come on, come on, Patrick Beverly. Like there, there's a part where hubris like gets completely out of control and you just like completely lose where you are. <laughs> if somebody's in my locker room and you're talking to LeBron James like this, I'm, I'm not listening to anything that person says. I, you know what? I think the thing is right again, LeBron and them. Let, let, let's be real. LeBron brought him in for that reason. <laughs> like what if we just, what if we just hired some host from like some, you know, some other net podcast network, they come in here and they start telling off David Locke. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Okay, yeah. when well, you put it that way, I, I think that's more so. Well, I did say LeBron brought him in. That is kind of like telling off the owner. I know, right? <laughs> David Locke hires somebody, and he's like, all of a sudden, like telling him off and like being like, I got this. Like, I'm going to, and then, I don't know. It's completely out of pocket. All right. There you go. Thanks so much for hanging out with us on Lockdown NBA, making us your first listen. For your second listen, go check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022, an eight episode extravaganza. Local experts of your teams, Locked On Podcast Network, plus. A betting angle from Lee Sterling from Lockdown Bets. Search the Ultimate Pro Football Preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown NBA. Bang! Boom!